My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to the season finale of season two of Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and I'm here once again with my partner, Andy. Andy, welcome back. Thank you. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and I'm here with my partner, Andy. Welcome back. Great. Good start. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we just wanted to catch up a little bit. There's been a lot going on for us in our lives um, with our health. And, yeah, it just felt like a good moment to do an episode on the main podcast feed. We've been doing this once a month for the bonus episodes for the Patreon community. Before we get into it too deep, I do want to thank our Patreon listeners. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. With uh, monthly financial financial contributions through Patreon, it is very appreciated. An extra special thank you to our Patreon producers, supporting the show at the highest tier of $25 per month. Woo-woo. Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Yeah. And of course, as always, I have to remind you that uh, Andy and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast right. without first consulting your doctor. Can you tell that I've said that a lot of times? <laughs> <laughs> However, I am a snack professional, so if I give any snacking advice, you can take that to the bank. I was like, you are a snack. That is true. I thought that's what you're saying. Also, I'm a snack, by the way. BT Dubs. Thought that was pertinent information. Yeah, yeah. It's very important that you know that I'm a snack. <laughs> I may not be a doctor, but I'm a snack. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Um, I think the big headline is, for me personally is that I have a potential diagnosis of mast cell activation syndrome. I've been talking about this on and off um, for the last couple months on the podcast. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I still don't know like when and if I will get an official diagnosis from my allergist. I saw him recently and he told me, you know, this is all lining up really good. This all looks like this could be what's happening based off of your reaction to the medications that I've prescribed. And I was saying, you know, so like, when, what about the line for crossing that line of a diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, the next step is to have your workup done for small fiber neuropathy. Because he, he's saying that he has seen this several times with his, pa- with his patients in the past, that there seems to be some sort of a correlation between small fiber neuropathy and mast cell activation syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I finally had my appointment with my new neurologist to talk about small fiber neuropathy just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And first I met with, you know, his physician's assistant and we talked for like an hour, talked through my whole history. She did the whole test where, you know, you squeeze your hands, push back against the pressure, stick me with a bunch of needles to see if where I feel the pain or mm. don't feel sensations. Mm-hmm. And throughout my legs on both sides, I'm feeling like I'm not feeling sharp pins anymore. I'm feeling mm. like a dull. Mm. I can tell I'm being poked there, but it doesn't feel like a sharp thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've lost a lot of the hair on my legs, uh, on the outside of both legs. And I have a lot of the signs of small fiber neuropathy. And, you know, just to remind people what that is, it is a form of dysautonomia where you have chronic damage to the nerve endings of your nerve fibers, and they shorten over time, which can cause all sorts of problems. Um, You know, I'm finding conflicting information out there about what it causes. Mm. 
And it was interesting, you know, the, the neurologist finally came in and talked to me and said, yes, you are a candidate for this testing for the, you know, for the skin biopsy, mm-hmm. for small fiber neuropathy. So we're going to check for that. But he kept talking about it as if it were peripheral neuropathy, which mm. it it does kind of include similar symptoms, but it is a different form of neuropathy. It is very different. Yeah. Um, so that that was a little annoying for me, to be honest. Um, I liked him just fine. I mean, I barely got to know him. He was there for five minutes mm-hmm. out of, you know, the like hour and a half, two hours that I was there. Because, mm. um, you know, I meet with a physician's assistant, wait for a while for him to come in. I got the result that I wanted, which was that he is going to order the test. And that's really all I needed. Yeah. But I didn't like feel a click as far as, you know, this is someone that I think gets me. Yeah. Um, I felt, you know, if, if it were me younger in my journey... I, I would have felt brushed off. Mm. I know a little bit better now that, um, you know, I I don't know. They see all sorts of people. Like, yeah. neurologists see all sorts of people with, with issues that are much more obvious than an invisible illness mm. like mine. And I am in a place now where I'm doing better and my illness is once again becoming very invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not showing up in a wheelchair. I'm not spasming uncontrollably all the time anymore. Um, so so I, I get it. I get why this person is just like, yeah, we'll run the tests. And then, you know, he didn't really want to talk too much beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not feel any validation of my experience of chronic illness from him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference is like, you know, that's what I have realized that I really want from doctors is some validation that what I'm experiencing sucks. Yeah. And I think when I don't get that, I feel brushed off. Mm. I think I actually just connected those dots just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, where it's it's like, that's the missing piece for me with a lot of these doctors is no no understanding of the, of like the havoc that it has wreaked and the pain that it has caused yeah. to live through this thing. Um, versus, you know, like my... My my primary care doctor never made me feel that way. And my new doctor, like my diagnostician doctor and her her cohort that she works with, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he brought up small fiber neuropathy, he's just like, yeah, this is a very serious disease that could explain a lot of your symptoms. Right. And made me feel like very validated that that diagnosis would mean something. Right. Um, whereas with this neurologist, I, I, I actually really felt the opposite. Mm. <laughs> And he even said, you know, it's almost like pointless to test for because there's not much we can do, hmm. um, which I, I hate hearing, you know, yeah. like that, that's wrong. It is wrong. There's, I, I've, I've done enough research to know that there's plenty of things you can try. Yeah. yeah. And just the validation of knowing that you have a thing is, is really important. And small fiber neuropathy is usually caused by something, you know, yeah. it's usually like something is damaging your nerve fibers. Sure. Um, so... But, you know, I, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know these things. I'm just looking at what I've read and yeah. talking to other people who have the disease. I've talked to a few of them now on the podcast, mm-hmm. which has been really enlightening and extremely helpful for me personally, kind of going through the process of of looking into that disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I shared when Joe was on the podcast a few weeks back, we discussed this article I'd read from someone, a writer who has small fiber neuropathy, and it just read like... My, a, a story of my life. Mm-hmm. I shared that article in that episode a few episodes back, the link. Um, and that makes small fiber neuropathy sound very serious and intense mm-hmm. and, and matches up with my life, with what I've experienced, more so than what I've read about mast cell activation syndrome. And I've really, you know, I pin a lot of hopes on this diagnosis. Um, and this this doctor was basically saying, like, you know, we, there's some medication we can try, but you've already tried all of it, you mm-hmm. know? 
I really, I've tried a lot of it in the past. Like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Lyrica is mm. is one of the recommendations, and um, like gabapentin. Um, I think like is it amitriptyline or nortriptyline or something? I've tried all of these like nerve medications mm-hmm. in the past when we had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, you know, way back at Pacific Medical Center back in the day, I tried a lot of these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like the the number one thing to do for small fiber neuropathy is to figure out the cause and to try to stop the cause. Right. So if you have diabetes, which is the most common cause of yeah. small fiber neuropathy, if you can, uh, you know, take insulin control your blood sugar then you might be able to stop the worsening and even you know maybe grow back some of these nerve fibers Mm -hmm. so that's what my mind keeps going to you know what is the cause is the cause mast cell activation syndrome which i'm starting to believe might be the case based off of Mm -hmm. how i have felt on my mast cell protocol it's Mm -hmm. i've been so much better yeah um that it's and when I cheat on that protocol, my symptoms come back of like the the pain, the the brain fog, the muscle spasming, you know, my legs will give out sometimes. So um, it, it, it feels like there's definitely a connection there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but what keeps coming back to my mind is, is there another diagnosis on top of that? Like, right. because both of these things, MCAS and SFN, are both often comorbidities for something else. So that's what I brought up with this neurologist. And mm-hmm. that's where he was just kind of like, I don't think so. You've had so many tests done. We would have caught something else. Mm. And that that didn't sit super well also, you know. Yeah. Um, because it's like, yeah, in his professional opinion, that could be true. And that's fine. But, you know, medicine, it's this thing where it's like your professional opinion versus my life and my reality, mm-hmm. my existence for all of eternity, for all that I will exist, mm-hmm. which is going to be forever, apparently. <laughs> Which is absolutely not true. Anyway, <laughs> my existence for the rest of my life, you know, really depends on figuring this thing out. Yeah. Um, I And half of me is like, be grateful for the progress that I've made because it's huge. Yeah. You know, the other half of me is like, yes, but will it all fall apart if we don't get the correct diagnosis underneath? Mm-hmm. So... I'm having a lot of anxiety, you know, I, I'm actually struggling with anxiety quite a bit recently. Yeah. Um, and this has been an interesting thing that I wanted to talk about today is that having this potential diagnosis um, is bringing up a lot more anxiety than I ever would have expected. Mm-hmm. Because on the days where I'm not doing well, it's like huge anxiety that we have the wrong answer. Right. Or we're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, or like when days when I'm not doing well, huge anxiety that I caused it by messing up on the protocol or doing too much. Um, because I'm definitely like over pushing all the time. Yeah. And then I'm also having anxiety all the time now of like not being sure if I'm going to be up to things because, which is interesting. Cause like when I was up to nothing, mm-hmm. I didn't have that anxiety as much, hmm. but it's because like, I'm just like, well, no, I'm not going to make it, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to show up. If I show up that that's a bonus. Uh-huh. But I wasn't anxious about that. I was, I accepted it years ago. And kind of learn to work with it. Hmm. But now I can sh- I've been showing up to a lot of things, you yeah. know? Um, and I feel like there's an element of trying to prove to the world and to myself that I can show up. And when I don't show up to something, it feels like a failure in a way that it didn't before. And then when I flare up, it's starting to feel like a failure in a way that it didn't before. Hmm. And it's bringing up a lot of anxiety for me. And 
this is the first time I think in my entire chronic illness journey where I am starting to be concerned that some of the symptoms I'm experiencing are anxiety related. Mm. Like I'm starting to have some um, like anxious feelings in my chest all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that's like, is this something wrong with my heart? You know? Cause like we, we looked into that arrhythmia that I was having Um but I just keep telling myself, like, I think this is anxiety. You know, yeah. for the first time, I think that my symptoms might be anxiety-related. And it's something that, like... Well, very specific symptoms that sure. you're experiencing recently. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Like, this feeling of, like, this unsettled feeling of, you know, thinking about something and just, like, my heart skipping and mm-hmm. feeling anxious. Like, that's yeah. kind of new. Yeah. You know, like, that's something that I think is anxiety. Yeah. And for the first time, I feel like I need to talk to a doctor about having anxiety. mm which gives me more anxiety, mm. you know? And- well, yeah, but also I think talking to a mental health professional sure. versus a doctor, you know what I mean? Like, I do think that that distinction might actually be really helpful because if you, you're right, that when you talk to doctors about anxiety, then they start to attribute, you know, and you could talk to your primary care because I think that he would, yeah, he would know the, the difference, but. Yeah, and it's also like, I have fought for years to not talk about anxiety to my doctors right. because I knew that that would be the end of care for a lot of things. Yeah. So now the idea of doing it is giving me more anxiety, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, and I'm also, I think the biggest anxiety is that, is this doing better temporary? Right. Um, and you know, the last couple of weeks I went downhill a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I've bounced back a couple times since mm-hmm. that's happened. Yeah. Proving to myself several times over that I still can bounce back. Yeah. And the number one thing that's causing me to go downhill is overwork. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, we're about to move. We're sitting here surrounded by moving boxes in a half torn apart apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this will be the last episode in this apartment. Yeah. This is ever. the last podcast recording in this apartment yeah. ever. Yeah. This is it. Because I'm going to tear down my gear uh, like within the next day or two. Yeah to get it prepped to move over. And then I'm going out of town for a week visiting with family, which I'm very excited for the trip, but yeah. the timing is not um, ideal. Not ideal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just thrilled that it's happening because we keep rescheduling this family gathering and it's finally looking like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. Because now I'm superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about talking to doctors about feeling anxiety. And how yes. you've worked so hard not to oh, do that. And the big anxiety being like, is it temporary that I'm yes, doing better? Yes, yes, yeah. right. So, oh, and then you've proved to yourself that right. you can so, bounce okay. back. So the big thing that keeps happening is like, there's a lot of work to do at the new house. Yeah. Um, I've learned that I can refinish wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of wood that needs refinishing. Yeah, he's great at it. Yeah, so we good. talked to our contractor about doing it, didn't love some of the results that were coming out. So I, and I'm like, I think I could do better. Yeah. So I researched wood refinishing. Right. This is like a couple months ago when I was first starting to do better. And I got really excited about being able to do something with my hands and do something physical. Yeah. And like do some work where you can see the direct result of being able to work, mm-hmm. which I haven't been able to do in six years. So yeah, I got really, really into it. And I've spent, I spent too many days in a row doing it where sure. I was like going over to the house and working for like, you know, four to eight hours. Yeah. And the fact that I could even do that was insane. And yeah. I was just like relishing in it. Totally. But then I hit a wall. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's been hard to bounce back from. Sure. 
And I keep doing that thing where I bounce back from the wall, then go to work the next day on yeah. the wood. Yeah. And I accidentally work for six hours again. Yeah. And then I crash the next day. Yep. So I'm really struggling to find balance. Yeah. You know, after years of being on the couch doing very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, it's like, okay, well, you can do stuff now. Um, but there's like only so, it's like a hose. Yeah. And there's only so much water in it. Yeah. And I want to have like a water party. You know, yeah, yeah. and I just like open the hose all the way up and then it's out of water. Yeah. And then I have to like close the hose and let it refill for 24 to 36 hours, depending on how bad the mm-hmm, flare was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really anxiety inducing yeah. this idea that, you know, I can be better. Yeah. But only if I don't do too much yeah. and only if I eat the right things and only if I don't cheat on my diet. It's like a tightrope. Only if I don't forget my medication. And I'm taking medication like one, two, three, four, five six times a day i think is it really because the chromalin and so chromalin half an hour before food three times a day um pills with food three times a day plus Mm. the end of day chromalin so that's seven times a day wow yeah it's all got to be timed out right yeah and i keep accidentally forgetting certain things on certain days of course and then i'm also you know if i do too much or if i eat the wrong thing, or if I go into a moldy room, I will flare. And then I have to, you know, either rest, or I'm learning that I can actually take Benadryl. Mm-hmm. Um, like one Benadryl mm-hmm. will, can, can help with one of those flares. Right. My doctor is telling me, my allergist is telling me that's not a great idea because Benadryl is actually apparently not very safe. Oh. I just saw a TikTok about this today, um, mm-hmm. talking about that. But it's a, it's a great tool to have in my back pocket. It's kind of replacing what weed used to be for me. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's been really interesting to have something that's kind of working. Yeah. And the first time I tried it, I was like, there's no way this is going to work, mm-hmm. you know? But then I took I took it during a crash and it was like, you know, half hour, hour later, mm-hmm. my pain level went way down. Yeah. And that's like another sign that we're on the right track with right. the mast cell activation. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. It's Everything is like weird right now. Yeah, it is I, weird. I... I wish that I had a firm diagnosis. I wish I could just say I have this thing. Right. And then just get to the business of learning how to live with it. Right. Because that would be hard enough. Right. But always having to couch everything in this, like, I'm not sure if this is why I'm doing better. Totally. And the fear of it being swept out from under me is, like, really intense. Horrible. And this generalized anxiety around doing anything and making myself worse. The first few months I was feeling better, I had this, like, sense of ease I haven't experienced in years. Yeah, yeah. I just felt so good yeah. emotionally as well as like doing better physically. Right. Um, and that, that's been really shaken mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a hard time, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. this is a, this is a very bumpy road and I feel very grateful to be on this road at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to keep that in mind, but yeah, I have like pulled the wheelchair back out and used it a couple times yeah. Both times for just joy rides because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's, we're getting some nice weather up mm-hmm. here in Seattle. I wanted to be out in it and I didn't want to have any reason to be inside on a day where my legs weren't working as well. So, and that's what the wheelchair is for. Yep. Um, I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer using it the same way that I was, mm-hmm. which was like, I can't live my life without this thing. Now yeah. it's like, I'm choosing to use it to better my, my day. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm getting out and I'm walking or even jogging. Um, I've been really pushing myself to jog more and more, and I feel like that I feel like the secret to my long term recovery could be in jogging. Uh-huh. 
this this weird feeling that I have. Um, so I remember in my early 20s, I had this stretch of really good health. Mm-hmm. I was living in this house that I eventually got really sick in because of mold. And every day I'd wake up, and this was like two years where I was vegetarian. I'd wake up every day, and the first thing I would do, I'd get up and I'd go for a quick 20-minute jog. Mm-hmm. Just kind of shake out the cobwebs, get the day started, come back, make breakfast, watch Star Trek, get the day going. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I started my day. And every day when I got up, I used to feel like something was off. Mm. And that by the time I was done jogging, it was right hmm. again. Something was back on. Huh. And then, you know, over time, my, I started to get... Uh, it actually kind of came on pretty quickly where, when my flare-up happened. But then I just couldn't jog anymore Mm -hmm. um this was my big flare-up back in my 20s it lasted for a year this is the first time where like something is seriously wrong going to the you know emergency room going to get all these mris and stuff not finding anything Mm -hmm. um and that was the end of my jogging in the morning yeah i and i always thought to myself like when i can get back to jogging every morning is when i will be healthy again Mm -hmm. and it never happened i never got back there yeah i got back to a place where i could jog a few times a week like in the afternoon Mm -hmm. um but like getting up in the morning became so difficult. Mm. You know, I, I even even on good days, I have a lot of pain in the mornings. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so now that I'm, you know, on all this mast cell activation medication and doing doing better and able to jog a little bit, I've been noticing that like the first time I go jogging after not jogging for a while, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so sick. And then I feel sick for hours after. Yeah. And I just did that today, and I had like four hours where I really couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and we almost didn't record this tonight, but Andy kind of pushed us to do it. And now I'm glad that we did, because I'm getting... I feel like I'm on a roll now, whereas like <laughs> two hours ago, I could barely say anything, because I was like feeling so sick. Yeah. Um, but this is a good sign that it's passing this quickly, too. But yeah. anyway, so like the first time I jog, I feel really sick. And then the next time I jog, it's a little bit better. And then by the, the fourth or fifth time that I jog, you know, within like a day or two of each jog, if I can keep the jogging up, then I start to feel better overall. And then the jogging becomes easier. Mm -hmm. And it feels like whatever it is, is being regulated. Yeah. So if it's my mast cells that are, you know, flaring, my mast cells are um, activating and releasing all these mediators in my bloodstream and making me sick. I feel like maybe my mast cells themselves are somehow stabilized by regular jogging. Hmm. Um, but then if I go too far, then they flare again. Right. If I do too much, they'll flare again. Or if right. I work too hard, they'll flare again. Or if I eat the wrong thing, or if I go into the wrong room. Yeah. And then I have to start, I have to like rest for days. Yeah. And I have to start the process all over. And I've been through that cycle. I'm on the third time uh-huh. in the last couple of months of trying to get jogging regularly. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't jogged in a while, like a, at least a week. No, we jogged together. I think it was at least a week ago. Mm, was it? I think so. Time's moving quick because we're it's such getting a, ready it's to so move weird. here. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, yeah it so it, like whenever I put it down for more than like four or five days, it's like I have to start over. Yeah. And today was my start over day. I did a short one and it was really hard and I had to walk a lot of it. But, you know, but it felt amazing like to be out in the sun running on the streets of Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. It's like I, that's what I want to be doing. And even if I'm not doing it, at the speed or at the energy level that I want to be doing it at, at least I did it, you know? 
Yeah. But then I come home and I'm like moaning in pain for hours. <laughs> yeah. And it's so frustrating. Um, but, but I feel like th- there might be, this might be the key somehow. It's like mm-hmm. the medication is what gave me the leg up that I needed to start exercising. And that maybe somehow exercise is the key to stabilizing my mast cells. Mm. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that theory because it's a healthy theory, you know? I think it's, it's a really healthy thing to try to pursue um, in, in the pursuit of stability. I think that that's a good way to go. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I'm really walking this tightrope and it is really hard. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at the point now where I am so sick of the low histamine diet. I am craving... Yeah like you know beans and (laughs) cheese and um like i'm feeling well enough to like we went to a bar the other day yeah um your sister's partner aislin works at this awesome bar um the velvet elk Uh shout out to the velvet elk in beacon hill in seattle it's adorable and they do this really cool like um sunday brunch cocktail brunch um, and it's got like a cosmic theme inside and like space really photos cool, yeah. and it's, it's very up my alley of places I'd like to hang yeah, out. Yeah. So I'd never been there. We went there last Sunday mm-hmm. and sitting around with everyone else who was drinking and I can't cause alcohol has histamine. Well, it wasn't even that. Cause like I, I wasn't drinking. I can't sure. drink right now, well, but I had a bar. Had, you well, know. but what I was going to say too, is that I, they had a, they actually have a really great mocktail list. Yeah. But you can't even have that because no. there's like citrus or bitters or no. There was you know, like you literally nothing on the menu. You can only have like sparkling water. I got with soda like a water. Tiny squeeze of lime. A little bit of lime in it. Right. So it's like not yeah. even. Yeah. You just don't get to participate. And I'm like, oh, they had Pringles. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll have some Pringles. So I, yeah. I got some Pringles. And then I look at the label and they have gluten in them. Yeah. Why do Pringles have gluten? That's not fair. So I did get some like Tim's potato <sighs> yeah. chips. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, back when I was able to drink, you know, scotch was my drink of choice. Right. I love scotch. Yeah. I got really into it. You know, I used to work at this Starbucks on 2nd and Lenora in Seattle. And the whiskey bar was right down the street before mm-hmm. it moved. And our friend uh, Jeff worked there. He'd come into Starbucks, hang out, talk to us. We'd go into the whiskey bar after work. You know, yeah. me and Sarah and Ryan, we all go hang out and drink Wardate cocktails. <laughs> Wardate is my favorite cocktail oh. and that Jeff would make. They're amazing. Although I also really like a cocktail with like the egg whites. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, during my flare up, I did not crave alcohol at all. Yeah. But now that I'm doing better and yeah. I'm like around it socially a little bit, right. I find myself really missing it for the first time. Sure. And the other day at the Velvet Elk, I'm like, I want some scotch. So I asked Aislinn for like, you know, <laughs> such a little, a little bit of scotch. She yeah. gave me like, I think a half ounce of scotch. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. Um, but I also felt a little bit of like my allergy tingle going on mm. in the space. Right. It's an older building. Older building, which, you know, it's a it's an amazing space, clean space. Yeah. I'm not saying anything about the space. I'm saying no, that no, like no. I can't be in buildings that are older than like, you know, a certain age. Yeah. Um, and we're learning with the house that we're moving into that if I am in a building over over a certain age, we have to open all the walls and kill all the mold. <laughs> which is a whole other story. Uh, yeah. We've done a little bit of a remodel that it, we didn't expect. It's been well, yeah, there's been a ton of stress in our lives. Oh, yeah. For n- so many reasons. I mean, it makes sense that your anxiety level is high right now. For yeah. Even outside of the health factors, though, I know that's kind of the top of the list of what's causing this. But Yeah, that's so true. Um, but yeah, so I had like half a shot of scotch. Yeah. And that I by the end of the time that we were there, I couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah. I was like falling out of my seat 
exhausted. Yeah. Body pain starts. Yeah, it sucks. It was just like I had to go home and, you know, sleep off the fun brunch that we just had. Yeah. And it was so disheartening. It's right. like, it's I like want to do stuff. That should be the stuff. start of the weekend day. Yeah. Like, then we were we were going to go, like, there was a store we really loved that's closing that we were, like, going to go check yeah. out. Or, you know, I'm sure you had, we had, like, lot, you had lots of plans for what you would do next. And yeah. it's so disheartening to, like, make a choice. I mean, it's it seems like such a simple thing of, like, go to a bar, drink a half ounce of scotch and some soda water, and then to just be out for the rest of the day, you know, yeah. like just feels crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels crazy. Like yeah. I feel I f- I'm driving myself a little up the wall. Totally. With this like weird self-talk of what I should and shouldn't be able to do. But yeah, it's like you didn't even do. I mean, it's like, it's just, it. it's not, but it feels like this punishment for just like enjoying yourself a, a small amount. You yeah. Know? Like- yeah. And you know, like, I, I wouldn't trade this for being flared up for anything, sure. you know? Yeah. But being flared up was simpler. Right. And And I'm really struggling with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, like, trying to get back to a level where I can exist in a fast-paced world. Mm. And it's so hard. Mm. I, like, my stamina for right. everything is low. Yeah. Including, like, Sunday brunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have all these dreams, like, things I want to achieve and accomplish... And I'm so behind. Like, I'm 38, and I just want to get back to it. I want to get back to the grind, to, like, making my dreams come true. Yeah. But I also, like, I, I haven't had any income for six years. And I really need to get back to having income of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, And that's been a whole other thing of, like, you know, I'm kind of using working on the house as a test to see right. when I'll be ready to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And the answer, I, I was so excited for a couple of months. I'm like, I think I'm really close. And then I've started going through this like oscillation with how I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how close I am. Yeah. And I've been really in my head about that, about accepting a job and then making myself flare. Like that's yeah. horrifying. Right. You know? And the last thing I want to do is, is stop making this podcast. Right. I'm also very nervous about, you know, the need to have financial... Uh, stability for myself personally. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky to be with a partner who is financially stable, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact that we get to live in this house, that I get to live there with you, is like beyond my wildest dreams, you know? It's such a beautiful house. But I also, like, I'm really driven to be able to contribute to that. And I also am driven to be able to, like, I want to buy myself cool synthesizers, you know? I want to have disposable income, which I... I you know, I want to be able to buy things that I think are cool, which I have a- every purchase I've made for the last six years because I'm being supported by friends and family. It's like, should I spend $15 on this video game? And I will like agonize over it. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask the people who are supporting me yeah. and I'll need to get, per- I feel like I need permission, you know, mm. to spend this money. So I-, I don't want to be in that position. I want to make my own money, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and I still, I'm, you know, still pending disability hearing but even if i get disability it will likely be for a closed period because i'm i i think i'm i'm no longer in a place where i think a judge would award me disability Mm -hmm. based off of how i'm doing um but what i'm worried about is that to get back to work would mean that i have to give up on everything else yeah you know and i really don't want that like i do not want to stop making this podcast 100 percent um yeah, so... So we got to find a way. We got to find a way. And that's something that I've been looking into that I'm, you know, 
not quite ready to talk about publicly yet because yeah. I want to make sure that I ha- I know what I'm doing before I do. Because sure. if I don't do it, then I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, like I said la- in last week's podcast introduction, I've learned to not announce things publicly until they're done. Sure. You know, not like I'm trying to do this thing. It's like, it's got to be doing before I'm going to talk about it in public. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's a big priority for me is keeping this podcast going. But, you know... Th- Hard hard sell for Patreon. Um, <laughs> I, I really need to be bringing in an, enough financial support from making the podcast to justify the amount of time that I spend on it, yeah. which is yeah. a lot. It's a yeah, lot of time. It is. And it's a labor of love and passion, you know? Yeah, and of course. I, I'm not like, I'm absolutely not saying like, I need to get paid to make this show. What I'm saying is like the financial reality of my life is that I need to figure out a way to make some money, and I'm afraid that that will take away from doing the show. Mm. Um, so if the show is bringing in money, then that issue goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I have no intentions of stopping making this show at all, no matter how much is money is coming in from it. I don't. I'm going to cut this part out. This feels weird. <laughs> Andy's making a face. Should I leave it in? I don't know. No, I don't think you need to cut it out. I think it. I, I mean, you're not saying this as like a tactic. No. You're just expressing a, a truth and it's something that we've been talking through for a while now and yeah, you're navigating like you know, you created this show and also your TikTok channel during a time when you were in a place where you you knew you couldn't work and so when you had enough sporadic energy throughout the week to piece together these projects and have something to dedicate your time to that you were passionate about. Like these were the the perfect ways to do that. And now they've grown into things that are like, well, especially the podcast, something that is so important in our lives, in the life of the chronic illness community that you reach and the people that listen and, now you're in a place, yeah, where it's like, well, maybe I could work, but to be able to do both, it's almost like you have to choose. Um, but also, I know that you won't give up doing this show. And yeah, maybe things would have to shift or look different. But yeah, I, I think that's all it is, you know? Yeah, it's just another layer of anxiety of like, yeah, if I go back to work, is it going to be the life where I work and then I go home and rest and that's it, you know? Yeah. And which can't be. Yeah. I, I, I know that that is reality for a lot of people out there, you know? And if I were sure. to go back to work right now, I think that that would be the, the reality for me. Um, I'm really hoping that I can build some more resilience so that I can do more than one thing, yeah. you know? Um, I just, I have a lot of anxiety about whether or not I can, because I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying yeah, and, and see how it goes. And I have so much support and all the people who support me keep telling me like, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, they keep telling me I'm doing good, but I have a lot of negative self-talk about, um, how far I've come, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and how far I want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, these are, these are things like that are getting really loud right now mm-hmm. as like, you know, I keep thinking about how much I miss playing music on stage yeah, and how much I'd love to be in a band again. Yeah. And 
But all these thoughts come with this like horrible fear of trying and not being able to, because it's happened so many times that I've like started bands mm -hmm. and, you know, there's actually two, two bands that I started that barely performed, if at all, because mm -hmm. I had health crashes mm -hmm. and it took me years to get out of them. Yeah. And the band had like moved on, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's so heartbreaking when that happens yeah to put in like six months of rehearsals mm -hmm. to get a band ready yeah. to start performing because once you're up and running you perform like you know all the time and then yeah um like you learn new songs and stuff at rehearsals but the songs that you've learned and like the cohesion that you've built mm. remains and just gets stronger when you perform mm. so that first six months to a year before performing depending on the band and how often you rehearse is like really formative time mm -hmm. and to not get to take that on stage yeah is like really devastating yeah and it's happened to me a couple times yep um so ah oh man i'm just in a weird spot i'm in a weird spot right yeah. now i know it is a weird spot and i also know you're gonna move through it and i mean i think it's like it's tough you've got to find that balance of like being ready, but sometimes choosing to try even before you know for sure that it, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that you'll ever be in a place where you say, well, now's the perfect time to try because I know it, I, there's no way that I will have anything that will interfere with this. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's not your health, even if it's life things or something coming up that like, I can't dedicate the time I thought I could because of this other thing, you know? And I mean, definitely don't jump before you're ready, but I think you can't wait until you're positive you're ready, you know? Yeah. And I think about it's finding that yeah, and I, spot. I'm someone who, like, I usually know when I'm ready. You know, yeah. like, I usually have this sense that it's time to try something. Yeah. And that has served me very well in my life. Mm. So I'm also struggling against that of, like, feeling like, I should know. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a lot of layers. It is a lot but of layers. You're also going through your own stuff. I mean, yeah. you went back to work this week on a new show. I did. Yeah. And only a month after my vocal surgery. Yeah. Um, which I don't think we've talked about on the main podcast. I can't. I know that I have talked about it and mentioned it in the introductions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I... Yeah. But sen no, absolutely. Since you've had the surgery, we've not talked about it on the main. Yeah. Feed. Yeah. So... So, you know, I, you probably do have the update then, listeners, but um, I had a second hemorrhage in December and then, or January, I can't quite remember. Time is so weird right now. Um, I think it was January. And then that led to needing to have a second, to, to have the laser surgery on my vocal fold. And anyway, it's all going great. I'm healing well. But it's the first time I'm doing a show since afterwards was which which was when I had my first vocal hemorrhage and I didn't get to do that show I mean talk about the feeling of preparing for something and then not being able to bring it to a stage like I that is exactly yeah what happened for me yeah because of health and um and so yeah so I haven't been involved in an actual production since then and that was almost a year ago and we are in our first week of rehearsal um for this musical version of Twelfth Night that I'm part of. And it's great. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be doing the thing again. And I'm definitely tired. And I'm definitely 
you know, deconditioned in certain ways that um, I, I did my best to get to a really good place before rehearsal started. But I, I think the rehearsal process is partially going to also be me working up my stamina. And um, yeah, I don't know. I It's scary and hard. And I have a lot of anxiety, too. I think we're both in a place right now. It's a tricky time because we're both kind of not necessarily like needing a ton of support, but we're not able to give a ton of support. Yeah. You know, it's like we both are really just having to take care of ourselves. And that's hard when, when both people like don't have a ton to give. Yeah. When we could both use a little care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and not that we're not caring for each other, but I think our capacity is limited. We're both doing our best. Yeah. On top of that, we had Mothgate 2023. Oh my god! Um, This is a big "I told you so" moment for Jesse, but he's resisting saying. I've never said that. I know, never with your mouth. (laughs) 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 Only with your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, long story short, there was basically a huge moth nest under my bed in a wool carpet and moth eggs all over my apartment. And I, I am a costume designer. I'm, I love fashion. I love styling. I do all kinds of stuff with fabrics and clothing. And so I had to bag up every single piece of fabric, clothing, textiles, you know, fiber in my apartment into plas- into garbage bags and seal them or wash things in hot water that can be washed in hot water. So it was a nightmare and we had to turn my apartment upside down. And I mean, I'm still going in there checking for moths all the time and I can't stay there because the bed is just like <laughs> propped up against the wall. And I mean, it's, yeah, it really, in some ways it was good. It like, got me ready for moving really quickly because I suddenly all my clothes were in bags Um, (laughs) and I was like already going through things but yeah it wasn't fun wasn't fun at all and I also it happened I had my surgery and I wasn't allowed to speak for a week after well it was really more like two weeks and um, and it happened right in the midst of that so I like (laughs) discovered this under my bed and it was like full body chills, like horror, like just this response of like, I don't know how to describe it. I was in such a low mental health place anyway, because I couldn't speak and I was stressed. And then I find this thing and there's nothing I can do about it because I can't lift. I'm not supposed to lift anything heavy. And Jesse's at the house working on the wood and I'm just calling him like over and over and he's not picking up and I'm texting him and I'm calling him, mind you, knowing I can't speak. But just being like, I need your attention. I yeah. need someone to know this is happening. I need help. And I'm over there with a power sander. Yeah, Can't hear my just phone. not even. And so he comes over and eventually, and I'm there with like my fabric scissors, like cutting this rug up, trying to like get it out of the apartment <laughs> without having to lift anything. I mean, it was just a yeah. nightmare. You got a rug off Facebook marketplace that we think had moth eggs in it. Had moth eggs in it. And we had started seeing moths in your apartment. Yeah, I mean, a month after I moved in. Yeah, and I was, you know, I had brought up... Just a few. I had brought up... Little tiny moths. On several occasions, I think that we might want to look into this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, 
Well, to be fair, I was I said <laughs> I don't know, maybe that I said that towards the beginning. I was like, uh, maybe it'll just go away. I got the cedar things for the closet. Yeah. And I and I didn't really notice any holes in my clothing. Like there there actually wasn't a ton of damage to my clothes that I noticed. Then over time when I really looked, I but anyway, that's a whole other. Yeah. So, because the clothing I was wearing frequently Moths, they 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 don't get they it, they the like dark things stuff. they yeah. like things that are going untouched so anyway, um, but yeah and then eventually I did say I know and I don't why I don't know what to do like and you were like well I'll talk to I'll talk to the building manager about it or and I kind of was like if you get the ball rolling I'm on board mm. but. That's a little bit of my ADHD brain, too, because I just sure. was like, I was overwhelmed and I didn't. And I also really don't want to have to face up to literally going through every single item of clothing in my apartment and looking at it and getting it cleaned or washed or bagged. But yeah. I ended up having to do it. Anyway. You did it. You yeah. did it. Yeah. We had to get a company to come out and spray. Yeah. And we've both been living in my studio apartment, <laughs> which is also like now has boxes in it and, you know. That's we're been like stressful. It's been very stressful. There's yeah. just like a lot we're happening. Actually, at once. I think we're actually doing pretty good. I think so too. You know, if yeah. you actually I mean, think about what's happening. And the fact that we're about to be in this incredible house. Yeah. I wish you all could come over and see it because it's <laughs> gorgeous. And it's a lot of space. Yeah. I'm gonna have a whole office yeah. where I'm gonna be making this podcast. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Um we're gonna have more space than we know what to do with. Yeah. And as our last gasp of apartment living, it's like, well, you both got to be on top of each other in a studio apartment that's full of stuff that mm-hmm. isn't supposed to be on the floor in mm-hmm, here. Because mm-hmm. Andy also brought over like a, a cabinet um, full My of her clothes. clothes. And yeah. Yeah. It's been wild. Um, yeah. And, you know, going through the remodel process, like we oh. we found a company that specializes in indoor air quality um, to come and take a look at the house. And did some exploration and found a bunch of areas mm-hmm. where there was mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had to, you know, we, we wanted to remodel a bathroom, but instead ended up pulling a lot of the walls out, killing mold, mm-hmm. re-insulating in a way that would not grow mold in the future, mm-hmm. putting the walls back together. And, you know, and it has not been a smooth process. Mm-mm. And there's been a lot of details that were dropped along the way. And I started like furiously researching how things are done mm. to try to like f- figure out what to even do, you know? Um, and so I've educated myself a ton on, on things and like have started kind of picking up some of these things that are being dropped and pointing them out. But that's been really stressful. It's like, we want our contractor to do that for us. Right. We don't want to have to be, you know, managing the project manager. Right. Um, which is how we felt a little bit through this process. Yeah. We're, we're really excited that the end product is going to give us a mold free house. Yeah. And which is looking really, really good. Yeah. Um, but we're very eager to have no one working at the house. Yes. Other um, than us. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned so much about what I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've actually kind of surprised myself with all the things I've been able to do at the house, which is, which is cool. Like new, learning new skills and getting into something new and recognizing that I actually have like a bit of a, a passion for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now I want to get some woodworking tools and start trying to make some things yeah. just for fun, which Aislinn also does, which is which is great. Yeah. Um and she's been helping us out a bit as well. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've I've come up with this technique to refinish the window trim that looks great. And 
I'm really excited. It does look great. It's so gratifying. He's doing a great job. Thank you. It's very gratifying. Yeah. So, I mean, <sighs> ups, downs, all around. All arounds. Well, I have to say, this has been an amazing season of yeah, the podcast. Definitely. Uh, season two. I am thrilled with how every episode of this season came out. Mm-hmm. There's been some incredibly memorable episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- things that have really changed my outlook on life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I really encourage Andy to listen to Simon's episode about recovering from chronic fatigue syndrome when he yeah. started taking low-dose oh, naltrexone. I think about that episode all the time. I do, too. Yeah. That one has really haunted me. Yeah. Just the way that Simon described falling into the depths of illness yeah. and then clawing his way back out over the course of years. Yeah. That when he finally found the right thing that was you know, his treatment that he needed, mm-hmm. not to say it's for everybody, mm-hmm. but the fact that he could tell that it was right, but it still took him five years. Mm. That is, that has really helped me to keep going. Yeah. As I'm taking this new medication, it's like, is this my Simon's thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And is, do I just need to stay this course? Yeah. And eventually maybe get to a place of stability? Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. Highly possible. Yeah. Um, but there's been, so many amazing episodes, too many to count. Um, and I'm I'm thrilled to be, you know, next week we're going to talk to uh, a couple previous guests, Andrew and Amy, and hopefully one more that I have a recording scheduled for. Um, Amy's podcast was another one that mm-hmm. in season, I know Andrew was actually in season one, but Amy was early on in season two. And mm-hmm. I think we listened to that together on a road yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another just absolutely fantastic episode mm-hmm. um, where we really, you know, talked in depth about relationships and chronic illness mm. and and how hard it can be to um to build relationships when when you're sick yeah and that's something that we've lived through the two of us we keep living through we're still I, living through it's it. i think that's the thing it's not like ever solved and and that's like okay it's good i want to work through that with you you know and yeah as you as you s- start to improve or you go on this journey of this next phase where you are more functional like new things are coming up like you know like think i i it's not as if oh you start to improve and then all of the other things that make relationship hard through that go away it's like no they morph or they shift or new things come up you know and it's and i think in general it's like well it's not that i expect that we don't navigate those things it's just like i just want to keep getting better at it together and yeah you know it's been that's been interesting too because you know we spent six years the first six years of our relationship in a particular dynamic yeah with me being sick all the time right and we made a home there you know yeah in that in that illness yeah and now that it's changing as we're changing our physical home like the the sort of um, foundational dynamic of our relationship has been shifting as well. Totally. In a lot of ways that are really exciting, mm-hmm. but in other ways that we just don't know how to manage yet because they're so new. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre to yeah. feel this well, deep in. Even what you're talking about, the anxiety of, well, what if, what does this mean yeah. if you start to decline or what it, does, are you ready to go back to work? And now that that's even a question and all these conversations we keep having about, you know, it's like, it's it's all your experiences your own and your anxieties are your own but they also do become 
these shared communal anxieties or experiences or you know what I mean? And yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting when you share your journey with someone in that way. Yeah, totally. Well, I, you know, I, I almost feel guilty singling out two episodes out of the season that were great because they were all great. Oh and yeah. And if I, I just, I don't have the memory power to list everyone by <laughs> name because I would because every episode has been incredible. Mm-hmm. So to all of the guests who have appeared on this season or even in season one, thank you all so much for being a part of this show. Yeah. Um, this means the world to me. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, all these feelings I have of, you know, wanting to accomplish something and make something of my life. Mm. This is something that I look back on with extreme pride. Yeah. That this thing exists. Mm-hmm. And part of what I love about this show so much is that it's not about me. It's about the guests. Yeah. Every episode is about the guest. It's their story. Yeah. And I just get to share these stories, mm-hmm. which I feel so lucky to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I mm-hmm. just, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm so excited about season three. Yeah. I have no idea what it's going to be <laughs> because, you know, I've only, I've got one episode recorded that's going to be in season three. Um, and I have one episode scheduled mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and I, of course, I also have the season premiere, which I'm really excited about with yeah. catching up with other people. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, besides that, season three is a blank slate. I'm, I got to start scheduling things. You yeah. know, I'm going out of town, um, but it's time to start scheduling recordings. So if you have a story mm-hmm. that you want to share on this podcast. Or someone you know. Or someone you know, let me know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, people have sometimes told me that they were nervous to reach out um, because they didn't think their story was, was worth sharing. Yeah. And that is wrong. Yeah. Your story is worth sharing. Everyone. Absolutely. You know, I, I haven't heard a single story on this podcast that I didn't think was worth sharing. Mm-hmm. And the only requirement I have for people to be on the show is that they have a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if they've, you know, even if you're like a caregiver or you've lived yeah. through something because of chronic illness yeah. or a traumatic event, yeah. anything that feels like a major pain to you yeah. is a story worth sharing. Yeah. So reach out. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, yeah. I... I feel like there's only good things possible with this podcast. I agree. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. So, no show next week. In two weeks, we'll be back with the season three premiere. I got to come up with a new intro. I got to go back through season two and find some clips. I love those intros. I know. It's so so fun. I think it's so fun to pick out new clips for the the opening montage. Yeah, I I love this. This season ends with... um, you're never alone. Don't ever think Don't you're alone. Don't ever think you're alone. That's and the Tiffany. first one was, um, this is major a major pain. pain. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what the new final line will be in yeah. the intro. Do you have a, do you have a thought? Cause you could give one now and maybe I'll use it. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, oh, dang. You're putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> That'd be it. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right at the end of the intro. Oh, dang. You're putting me on the spot, man. That's a very different flavor. Wow, for season wow, three. Yeah. 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 Um, how about we only get today. <laughs> if only on, let me try the listeners one. could see let the creepy face that Andy just made as she said that. How about, um, Major pain, more like major. Mm-hmm. Yay! 
<laughs> okay, wait, wait, was wait. Was that a rhyme fail? It was. I was thinking major, and then I couldn't think of a More rhyme. More like major gain? Major gain. Oh, shoot. Why don't you give a line? Uh, because I like to feature my guests. <laughs> How about, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. You're putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> I want to just edit that together to see what that sounds like. My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs. Oh, dang. You're putting me on the spot, man. How about... <laughs> It only hurts if you don't talk about it. Ooh, that's good. Except that's not true. If you talk about it, it still can hurt. That's true. Okay, we ruined it. Okay. It hurts, but you can still talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will put that under advisement. Yeah, listen, I mean, if I come up with something brilliant, you know, there's a microphone in this apartment. I don't want you to be upset if I don't use that. (sighs) I... I'll only be a little upset, but I won't take it out on you. (laughs) We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, cheers to season two. Yeah. It's been awesome. It has. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you in season three. Woo-woo. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine, from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain podcast.